Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Shine football fans, welcome to Morning Footy. Hope you had a fantastic Labor Day weekend. And look at us, the gang's all back together. I'm Susanna Collins alongside Nico Cantor, back from his travels. Charlie Davies, who is wearing a blazer for the uh -huh. occasion. Hey. Look at that, super sharp. We got Alexis Guerreros. We got Jenny Chu in the house for some headlines. Nico, welcome back. Thank you. It's great to have you I back at you the guys. desk. I know, we missed you too. How was your trip? It was great. I did a lot of uh, touristing, not so much watching soccer. I always feel like when I get back into the mix that I should have watched more soccer, but I guess there, you gotta disconnect at some point. Yeah. I'm proud. I'm actually proud of you because the, we were getting some some messages in our group chat at odd hours, and yeah. I was doing the math, <laughs> and I was like, Nico, it is definitely like 4 a.m. I watched in Boca. Europe. I, I could, that was the game that I couldn't not watch. I, yeah. Yeah. I, I get that. Copa Libertadores, quarterfinal, possibility to make it to a semifinal. Yeah, I watched it. In the same, Maria, I woke up, Mariana, Mariana, just watched Boga with me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she, yeah, she caved in. Not happy. I, I was trying to be as silent as possible, and when we won in penalty kick shootout, I was <laughs> just in silence, <laughs> and I could feel everything shaking, but just like, vigorously shaking. Oh, man. Yeah. God bless Mariana. Yeah. But um, fun fact, in Florence, by the way, I was just walking out in the square, in, through El Duomo, um, and I saw Dunga, the World Cup captain of the 1994 Brazilian squad. He played for Fiorentina, and I just spotted him out of the crowd and went, ah! Dunga! And um, <laughs> I took a picture of him. It was like the most random meeting. I just, I didn't expect to see uh, one of the best holding defensive midfielders uh, oh, was he, of the 90s. Did he seem surprised that you recognized him? Do you um, think he gets recognized a lot? Maybe not now in Florence. Strange that he was like just in the middle of probably the most populated tourist place. Maybe it's because it's tourists and not that many locals. Um, he did play for Fiorentina. I don't know. Um, we spoke about, I told day. him I was from the U.S. He said, oh, I'm going to Orlando for, for uh, New Year's and Christmas. Um, Talked about morning footy. We, yeah. I, to, I told him. I don't know if he speaks English, but um, he said that we should be very happy with all the soccer that we're getting. And he was very pumped for, for all these next years to come in, in the United fine. States. Wow. Europeans love Orlando, huh? Wow. No, Brazilians well, love Brazilians, Orlando. Yeah, Brazilians have a big connection to Orlando. Yeah. But the British, the British love going to Orlando too. Disney World, baby. Yeah. I'm a big hey. Nico hey. gets it. You're, <laughs> I so definitely is Chuck. Get it. I'm all about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah? We are yeah. I, we're we are all three Disney enthusiasts at this desk. Alexis, not yeah, so much yeah. because he doesn't like the Why am I a Disney <laughs> enthusiast? You're a Star, Star Wars, Wars guy. Oh, the Star Wars I haven't, you know, haven't been to the Star Wars to Galaxy's Edge? Nico Cantor. I haven't been there. Yeah. You must. But I'm not big on Disney. I'm with Alexis. It's like, okay. Thank you. You. You, would enjoy, you would enjoy the Star Wars land. Yeah, I, uh, I know I would. You would geek but, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. For sure. Have you been? Yes. Oh, okay. Okay, I need to go then. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Back um, by myself. Well, it is great to have you back. Thank you. We missed you. We missed you a lot. Um, let's get to some of our performances of the weekend, because technically yesterday was a holiday, even though we were all laboring, except for Nico. But we were laboring on Labor Day. So it's still we can still talk about this like it was the... The weekend. So yes. we're going to reflect, we're going to dive into some of the performances, uh, teams, players that impressed us over the weekend. And Nico, we're going to have you kick us off here. Okay, one of the games that um, I did watch while I was enjoying some osobuco and pizza, because from Ooh. France I went to Italy and I had a nice little Euro trip, Milan, because that Milan-Roma, although does Friday count as the weekend, but we'll roll yes, back the clock. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I really like this Milan team. They are tenacious. They've been put together really well. The guy that I'm really liking that kind of came out of nowhere, I don't know how much AZ Alkmaar anybody was watching, but Rinders is so good. He is a complete midfielder. He makes a lot of the stuff work and click for Milan in that midfield. Um, we haven't been talking about Sandro Tonali's exit yet, which is something that I thought we were going to be talking about more. Um, and, and Pulisic looks good. He looks happy. He, he's thriving in, in certain situations. He's got a good understanding with Giroud as well. Put Rafa Leao into the mix. Milan is off to a very promising start. Mm -hmm. Underrated underrated buy for them is Ruben Loftus-Cheek as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, him and Pulisic seem to be connecting well too, which is always good. They just, they, they, they put together a, a, a deep... A, a very good, complete squad, mm -hmm. which is which is good to see for Milan. Yeah, no, it's good to see. I think uh, last year there were some inconsistencies with them. It was just very up and down, and it seems that this they, they can capitalize them, they off found a strong late. start. Yeah, and I don't even know if they found themselves completely. And without Rafa Leao, it didn't look too threatening. And now. They found their way back. They've, they've clicked early on, which is great. Bodes well. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch them in Serie A this season. Charlie, let's move it on to you. Who were your performances of the weekend? Uh, the RB Leipzig versus Union Berlin match, we were, we were talking about that. Looking forward to it. And it's this Xavi Simon's goal that made our top Ooh. 10 golazos wow. of the weekend. We wow. miss you on that, Nico. But then Sheshko gets the brace, his first two Bundesliga goals, and look at this one. This is the movement off the ball. But our Union Berlin took pass. a red card um, in the second half, and, and that's when it really, RB Leipzig took it to Union Berlin. Um, so it was kind of uncharacteristic of Union Berlin to give so much possession, possession away, and, and obviously the red card had a big advantage. Um, advantage towards RB Leipzig, but RB Leipzig are good this year. I mean, the, the only loss is to Leverkusen on the road, uh, very difficult game, but they, they're, they're going to be challengers for, for the Bundesliga title, I think. Yeah, I think they're very good. I, I think well, Everyone just looked at me. I don't know. <laughs> I co-signed yes. everything you just yes, said. Yes, very yeah. good. Benjamin Sheshko has a, has a very big roof. He, they, kind of, they kind of pick out these players... Well, and, he comes from the Red Bull Salzburg system, right? A lot system, of potential, right? yeah. And but, Xavi Simons, I've thought that he's he's been, he's also since he was like 14 coming out of the Barca B Academy, he's also been given 
a massive, massive roof. Like one of those players that, okay, are we be getting a little bit exaggerated here? And you know, the move to PSG didn't bode that well for him. He couldn't find time and then PSV and it was. I caught my attention that he was going to go to a big Bundesliga club like that from Netherlands. Yeah, but the, the idea that he was going to be a flop seems like, you know, he's on his retribution mm -hmm. tour. It worked really well for him at uh, PSV. Now he's showing at RB Leipzig he's the real deal. Well, it's, it's very difficult for a youngster to, no matter how good you are, to go to Barcelona, try and break in there. Then you go to PSG when they have Mbappe, Neymar, Messi. You're not going to break into right. that squad. So you, you take a couple steps back, PSV, and then he finds playing time, he finds consistency, and then he's able to thrive, which makes it, which allows him to transition into this RB Leipzig move. Look at Odegaard, gets that big move to uh, Real Madrid, doesn't yeah. necessarily work out perfectly, gets a couple of loans, kind of finds so himself at Real Sociedad. Real Sociedad is where he sort of solidified the fact that, okay, he can play at the level, then he moves to Arsenal, and obviously he's found a home, which is the team that I'm going to talk about. Uh, Arsenal, that is my team of the of Very the, smooth uh, transition. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, smooth like this blazer that uh, Charlie's wearing. Um, look, if you're an Arsenal supporter, you know that the team hasn't necessarily started with the same vigor and gusto that they did last season. But they've gotten some new signings. One in particular, you're watching about to score a goal right here. His first goal for the Arsenal. He scored four last year, had two assists. But what you're looking for in a Declan Rice is a dynamic, aggressive, ball-stealing midfielder. Someone who can sort of take the rein from Ashaka and develop even further. Lift that sort of defensive midfielder, progressive defensive midfielder position a little bit forward. Probably also Partey, who looks like he's on the way out. And you're starting to see that exactly what you're, what you're noticing. He's already first in uh, interceptions per 90 in the league. It's, it's a small sample size so far with only so many matches being played. But you're starting to see that he is sort of developing into the player that Arteta wanted to bring in really quickly, and he's finding his position in this. How much did you lose it when Declan Rice scored? Quite a significant amount. Yeah, uh, it's not you? You, four in the morning in Florence, <laughs> shaking the hotel. I was home. I was just freaking out. Wow. I was completely freaking out. I'm just happy to see that it's, it's going well, because he broke the transfer record at mm -hmm. the time, so yeah. you kind of want him to come good, you know what I mean? I get it. Do you think it's, I get you think it. it's a bargain? No. Seeing. Uh, I think it's. I think so far it's a an appropriate price. I'm not going to go bargain just yet. Jude Bellingham we'll is looking like a bargain. It's still early days. Yeah. Still early days. Um, I'm going to throw some flowers uh, to Sporting Kansas City in Major League Soccer because I think we all remember the abysmal start to the season remember? that they remember? had, where I don't think they they were winless in like over 10 matches. It was terrible. But they are four two and one in their last seven matches. Four wins, two draws, one loss. They're coming off a two one win over St. Louis, who they have kind of established as their their big rival now and it, it's wild to say this um, but they're still in playoff contention Jeez. which is crazy Alan Polito their DP striker is finally starting to score goals he has 11 goals since early June and that's actually best in Major League Soccer right now and so if you look at their schedule coming up it's pretty tough they play Inter Miami hmm. next at Miami which Yeesh. we all know is going to be a very very difficult one uh, but the fact that uh, Sporting Kansas City can still make the playoffs um, they're in 11th right now but they're only two points off that ninth Dang. spot. It took them until their 11th MLS game to get a, a win. Isn't that now, crazy? Remember two points off. When yeah. We were rehearsing <laughs> for morning footy and I we know. were doing these mock shows. We had to talk about sporting Kansas City because it was abysmal. <laughs> it, was it was terrible. Hey, it was... Remember Austin? We were talking about Austin. Mm -hmm. Look where Austin is right now. 
Austin ha have been so poor. We say it all the time. League of Chaos. Yeah. League of Chaos. Anything can happen. Three seasons every year. <laughs> the three. beginning, the middle, yeah. and the end. It's so great. <laughs> it, it's so much fun. Uh, but yeah, good on SKC. All right, guys, we are going to take a break. Jenny Chu is going to be back with some headlines when we return. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search the rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Beats. Welcome back to Morning Footy. Well, 18-year-old Evan Ferguson scored a hat <laughs> trick for Brighton over the weekend, and his driving teacher is exceptionally proud of him and made this um, adorable TikTok. Not so, not so terribly, uh, not executed well, but it's, it's, it's adorable. It's precious. <laughs> I think it's great. That is just driving so sweet. I love it. It's so sweet. Like the aw. I mean, but it, it literally is like your dad trying to like I'm gonna put together. Right, like, I'm gonna make a TikTok. And when your like, grandparents post on Instagram <laughs> when they do the multi picture posts, or not yeah. even your grandparents, just adults, I guess. Um, if we're not adults, um, <laughs> when they do the multi picture post. And it's cr the first picture's cropped, so all the other ones are cropped. So it's like a selfie, but it's only like this part of the face, you know? It's, it's adorable. It's adorable. I have an aunt that when she sends me an email, she puts the entire body of the email in the subject line. Aww. It's kind of, you know, it's like that, oh, you know? My mother's the you. only person that still leaves me voicemails, and she'll start with, hello, this is Daisy, as if <laughs> I don't know what her number is or who this person, <laughs> this old Latin woman is speaking in the phone. Wait, that's your mother? Yeah. <laughs> she goes, hello. Oh, this, Hello, is this is Daisy. Uh, you never called. You said you were going to call. Okay, bye. I love you. <laughs> Daisy, Daisy has hints of uh, Messi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a very similar accent. Ring, ring. <laughs> yeah. She, I imagine she leaves a voicemail that starts with ring, ring. Oh, and I answer is DeAndre Yedlin. So it works out. Oh, amazing. Um, hey, let's send it on over to Jenny Chu, who has some headlines for us. Also, Jenny, I love your belt. I Thank you. gave you a compliment. I'm just very glad that it's in the camera shot because I feel like it needed some shine. I appreciate that, but I just want to add on a little bit of this because the voicemail that you mentioned by your mom is hilarious to me because my dad says, hello, this is your daddy. <laughs> like, I don't know it's my dad. Yeah. This is your daddy. It's the cutest thing in the world. Aww. Okay, we'll go to headlines. I'll switch auras here. Um, thinking of my cute dad. Manchester United winger Anthony was released from the Brazilian national team after getting called up for their upcoming friendlies. The release of Anthony comes after the Brazilian Football Confederation cited allegations which need to be investigated in reference to the domestic abuse allegations first made in June by his ex-girlfriend. Further accusations from her were made public on Monday in response to these allegations. Anthony posted a message on social media saying, quote, the accusations are false and that the evidence already produced and more to be produced show that I am innocent of the accusations made. Over in La Liga News, Villarreal have officially announced that they have parted ways with manager Quique Setien. The club's decision comes after Villarreal managed just one win in their four La Liga matches this season. Setien managed the Villarreal side last season where the team finished fifth in the league and qualified to Europa League. The club's director of football, Miguel Angel Tena, will take over on an interim basis. Strange. 
Yeah. Turkish champions Galatasaray will add two additions from Premier League side Tottenham Hotspur. The Turkish club has signed Colombian defender Davinson Sanchez on a transfer fee worth $16 million with add-ons included. Tottenham's record club signing Tangi Ndombele also joins Galatasaray on a loan deal with a buy option included next summer. And from one Turkish club to another, Besiktas has officially announced the permanent signing of defender Eric Bailly. The 29-year-old ex-Manchester United centre-back joins Besiktas on a free transfer after spending last season with Olympic Marseille on loan. The move also means the end to Bailly's stay in Manchester, where his United career was hindered by injuries. The Ivorian international leaves Manchester United after winning the Carabao Cup and Europa League in 2017. In an exclusive interview with The Athletic, Jordan Henderson opened up about his recent move to Saudi Arabia and the backlash he has been receiving from the LGBTQ community ahead of his first matches with the England national team since leaving Liverpool. The former Reds captain stated that the move was not spurred, was spurred sorry, by no longer feeling welcome at the club and that his move to Al-Atifak was not motivated by money. He also believes being in Saudi Arabia is a positive thing in regards to representing the LGBTQ community. Henderson said that he would consider wearing rainbow laces, but only if it did not offend people, stating it is important to respect their religion and culture. He also offered an apology to the LGBTQ community and insisted his values have not changed. Suzanne, I know that you were a bit disappointed this morning. You are a Liverpool fan. What do you think about these statements made by your former captain? Um, I, I think it's a bit short-sighted on on his part. I mean, it, the, the, you you went to, to the Saudi League for a reason. I, I, I'm sure he's saying that it's not because of the money. Come on. You know, like, it's at this stage in your career, like, they offered you a, a lot of money, and you're going to take it. The fact that he didn't feel welcome at, at Liverpool. Well, buddy, you're, you weren't good anymore. You know, like the, the fact is, is that like your quality had dropped off and that midfield was, was suffering and you weren't really bringing it anymore. And you cannot be, you cannot, you have to understand that people are upset. Like, yes, he did wear the armband and he wore the rainbow laces and he, he was, a, you know, a, a champion of the LGBTQ plus community. So you have to understand that they are going to be upset that you are now playing in a league that is basically gives these people no rights whatsoever. And I, I think it's just a bit short-sighted on him. I think he's probably a little, I, you know. We've had this conversation already so many times and he knew that once he opened the door to an interview, yeah. these hard questions were going to be asked because he was a champion of LGBTQ plus rights and movements. But at the end of the day, we've all come to the same conclusion, having the same conversation multiple times with the Saudi Pro League, because it's very difficult to be put into a position to reject a life-changing amount of money for somebody who's already a millionaire, to be able to secure the livelihoods of your children and mm -hmm. your children's children. And I, I don't think the answers that he gave in this interview are 100% honest and that he wants to change the culture. Alexis, before in the, in the, in the There's meeting quote, we were talking. To paraphrase, uh, he, he hopes to make change from essentially within. from within. Right. Yeah. From he, within himself or? Uh, I, I hope so. He's got a better <laughs> shot of that. He, he, <laughs> I understand that he wants to make amends. And he's probably considering how Saudi Arabia is I, with uh, how they deal with not only women's rights and human rights, LGBTQ plus rights. Don't like, they don't like marginalized it's, communities. It's very difficult Arabia, to let's just be, create a change I and think for football is, to be that 
vehicle of change. I think change. he is now thinking about what's next after Saudi. Because, what you know, he goes there, he plays a couple seasons, he makes a ton of money, and then what's next? Maybe, you know, perhaps he wants to come back to Liverpool as an ambassador roller. You know, you see that a lot. And I think that he's thinking about those next steps and how he can ingratiate himself back in with some supporters that maybe he fell out yeah. of favor with because of this decision. Um, but it to me, it's just, you just kind of have to own your decision, you know? Like, you, you, you took this for a, a reason, and it's all well and good to say that you can try to uh, be a, a beacon of change from within, sure. but is right. that the reality? No, I look right. at that move compared to a Sergio Ramos move. And Sergio Ramos turned down Saudi Arabia, turned down. What do you take? One fifteenth of the money to go Big play at his old club. To right. Go play to Sevilla. Yeah. yeah. You know that that to me, comparing the two, it's like oh. I will say, I, but I don't pocket watch. If you want to go make money, go right. make your money. Exactly. But you know. just own up but to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But exactly. But he said it wasn't because of the money. It's like yeah, maybe you didn't get the Porsche because it was red, but you. You probably wouldn't have bought it if it wasn't a color you wanted. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, if, if they offered him the money that Sergio Ramos was getting to Sevilla, he probably wouldn't have bought it. Wouldn't have taken So maybe it wasn't because of the money, but I'm sure the money didn't hurt. Like, they were probably... Jordan Henderson is, is still at a good level where he can maybe go to a, a, a Premier League team that's mid-table, uh, just a, a tier down from Liverpool. 100%. He has quality. Sure. Right? Let's but when you, compare, when you compare that to a... Offer from Saudi Arabia that's five, six, seven, eight times whatever that offer would have been. It's difficult to say no, mm -hmm. and you're and against competition, especially when you're coming down. Yeah, from, and your competition your is probably at a point where you may play like you were a few years, like you did a know. few years earlier. I mean, he used to be the man. He was the captain at, yeah. at Liverpool, and his quality has fallen off. And he went, and he's getting a paycheck that he wouldn't have gotten anywhere, anywhere. else. And you just Not have to—you just have to own it, and you have to face the repercussions we're, of decisions we're like that. We're being put at odds yeah. between the the tradition and the essence and the love of soccer and money that's trying to wash images of, of Gulf states yeah. and Arab We're going to be having this conversation many times, it seems like. Yep. It's very difficult. It is. Um, anyway, we are going to take a break. We're going to chat some Euro 2024 qualifiers when we return. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement for his man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome back. Euro 2024 qualifiers continue this week. Here's a look at the upcoming matches. On Thursday, France will face Ireland at 2.45 p.m. Eastern on FS2. Friday, we have a couple matches to look forward to. Georgia taking on Spain and Cyprus versus Scotland. Then on Saturday, two more matches. Ukraine facing England on FS2 at 12 p.m. Eastern. And North Macedonia will take on Italy at 2.45 p.m. Eastern on Fubo TV. So we are in match day five of these qualifiers. Here's a look at how it all kind of works. 24 nations compete in 2024 in Germany, who are automatically through as the host nations, the top two nations in each of the 10 groups qualify. Three nations will call, qualify via playoffs in March. All right, Nico Cantor. Yep. What do you love about this competition? The Euros. Hmm. 
<laughs> Interesting, because I, I'm against expanded tournaments, mm -hmm. just like an expanded World Cup, mm -hmm. and the Euros found the sweet spot. Before it was the, like, the... Eight, the 16 teams, and then they upped it up to 24 teams. Um, but there is opportunity for certain upsets um, in, in the qualifiers. Because in the qualifiers, you say the teams that we always see should always be there. But there are some teams treading in murky waters right now. For example, yeah. Spain. In, in Group A, where Scotland and Georgia have gotten off to a red-hot start. Mind you, Spain hasn't played all their games because they were in the Nations League Final Four, so they have a couple of games in hand, two, actually. And Scotland, out of their four games, three were played at Hampden Park, so the rest of their schedule is gonna be away except for one game. So they gotta kinda just lock it down at this point and try to get enough points to bag a second-place finish because it feels like Spain is going to push through to qualify. It would be absolutely disastrous if they don't. And the thing is that now they go into this matchup with a hurricane going around the Federation. The, the team itself, by the way, they put out a joint statement via Alvaro Morata, the, the entire men's national team, um, in solidarity with Jenny Hermoso. Um, against the actions of Rubiales, it could have been a stronger statement. It could have been an earlier statement, they did it right as they got into mm -hmm. camp because there were a lot of players that I guess were like, well, I'm not gonna make a statement on behalf of the Spanish national team when maybe I'm not even called up. But then you have the other side of the coin, which is like Borja Iglesias from Betis, who's usually a, a, a call up for the Spanish national team saying, I'm not gonna go until Rubiales is out, like taking a very strong stance. So this was kind of like a lukewarm stance from the Spanish national team and Luis de la Fuente, their manager, was also under fire because in the General Assembly where Luis Rubiales said that he wasn't going to resign, was clapping in favor of Rubiales. So at the wrong time, mm. the men's national team now is, I don't know if under heat, but it's not the best of, of atmospheres with the Federation, mostly. So You weren't here, but Suzanne, I think, put it the most poetically. It's a tire fire. And it's, now it's on the men's side as well. You're talking about players arguing they don't want to come in, they're not playing well. Yeah. They've only played two games, but still, this isn't good. If you don't qualify over teams no. like Cyprus and Scotland, that probably doesn't send the best mm, uh, the best signal. Yeah, it's an um, intense disaster. Yeah, and considering the lack of World Cup success since 2010. Yeah. Can we get B-roll of a tire fire just every time we talk about Spain? Just <laughs> rustling behind but us. I, I, ex I expect them to win. They, they beat Norway, and then they, they lost to Scotland. Um, Let's give some flowers to Scotland and Georgia, Georgia, by the way. Right? I don't know where. Look at this. Come no, I, I mean, you would, never, you would never look at the teams in Group A and say this is how it would look at this point. Never. Scotland can qualify first, or obviously, or uh, first, but or second. This is a huge boon for this country. I mean, Scotland has, you know, has a long storied history in the sport, uh, and they're a country that you would hope would be able to qualify. But Steve Clark's done an incredible job. Twelve goals out of their in their last eighteen games have been scored off set piece. I mean, they found ways to win, which is yo dead ball. We got a we got a couple beasts on here that know how to know what to do, and you got to find ways to, to win. It doesn't matter if you win beautiful Absolutely. or ugly. It's just winning. Scotland. 
If they can get through, this would be beautiful for them. That was Guram Keshatsvili, remember, from the center back from San Jose Earthquakes? Yeah. Remember? Captain of, of Georgia. I don't know where he's at Look now. At you. But I saw the beard. I was like, I, we, we did a lot of San Jose Earthquakes when I worked at, at Univision. Oh, that's so funny. So he was the center back. Gosh. Matias Almeida's center back. Nico knows. Yeah. Once again. But they have Deitashvili. They have a good goalkeeper. George, it's just crazy how they've gotten off to a very hot start. Mm, all right. I mean, and Kralachkelia obviously doesn't even need a mention. I love that. Um, okay, let's chat about uh, Group C. Here are the standings as they are right now. England on top, followed by Ukraine, Italy, North Macedonia, and then Malta. Uh, for Italy, this is going to be interesting because this will be the first time we see this team under Spalletti. What are we expecting from this new look and new manager for Italy? Because it's been hard times for them as of late. It has, I mean, w what we loved from him while he managed Napoli is the free-flowing hmm. attacking style of, of play that we saw. And, and I think that's what he's looking to get the, the Italy side back to not just defending stout, which, which is what we saw from them, like proper defensive principles, but more creativity in the attacking third. And, and I think that's what you're gonna get from a Spalletti side is more encouragement to go forward, to try to be a little bit more creative in those areas. I think more important than the Euros. Euros obviously very important in Europe, I get it. This is something they're pr very proud of. They won, they won the Euros. They didn't qualify for the two World Cups sandwiching those Crazy. Euros. Mm -hmm. It's insane to think that they didn't qualify for the two. I remember speaking to Marco and I said, what if I could guarantee that you get to the quarterfinals of the World Cup, but you've qualified, but you lose the finals of the Euros, would you take it? And he said, no, I want the trophy. And to me, I'm Crazy. like, that's your second World Cup you've not qualified for. That has to be a travesty for a country like like, like Italy. So while the Euros is important, you've already won this. Show me you're playing a more advanced, more aggressive, more attacking style, but you need to qualify for this World Cup, and you're in a group yeah. with North Macedonia, the country that knocked you out. You need to get into the World Cup. That is full stop it's the most important part of Spalletti's job. Crazy that when Italy won the World Cup in 2006, they signed the pact with the devil. All of the Italians <laughs> signed the pact with the devil because after 2006, knocked out of group stage in South Africa, knocked out of group stage in Brazil, and then didn't qualify for the next two? Like, that is World Cup failure for mm. a powerhouse for Italy over four World Cups. That is, I mean, mind you, I would have signed the pact with the devil in 2006. You tell me you win the World Cup and then you're trashed for the next four World Cups? You'd be like, okay. Give me that paper, <laughs> Satan. I'll sign it in, in two seconds. But. Italy, four World Cups, you expect them to it's, have that prowess and... It not getting, not qualifying for a World Cup if you're Italy is catastrophic. 12 years, 12 years a miss from a World Cup. Yeah. That's only if they qualify for 2026. Wild. Shut it all down. Go. You become a badminton playing country, bro. You can't. If you don't qualify for this World Cup, you're done. Why you gotta do badminton like that? I, it's the first one that popped into my mind. It's a delightful mind. sport. Or fine, you pickleball only, bro. Imagine their World Cup redemption <laughs> 20 years later. Oh. Feels, that feels like a long time if you are a fan of Italy. Yikes. Um, all right. Seriously, badminton, come on. <laughs> I said pickleball. I adjusted. Pickleball is also really fun. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, Felipe Cardenas is going to join us to chat some CONCACAF Nations League when we return. <laughs> Welcome.
Welcome back. CONCACAF Nations League kicks off this week. Here's a look at the upcoming fixtures. You can watch all of these on Paramount+. Plus. And, Nico, there has been some changes to the format of this competition. Can you kind of explain what we can expect to see? Yeah, so for League A, remember that the Nations League, depending on your FIFA ranking and how you've done in previous CONCACAF Nations League, you're either in League A, League B, League C. But we're going to focus on League A, where the U.S., Mexico, Canada, and Costa Rica have actually gotten buys into the quarterfinals okay. already. Remember that the Nations League finals are the ones that we were in Las Vegas and previously in Denver. That was a final four, but there's a quarterfinal now, and those four teams have gotten automatic buys into the quarterfinals. So and those are U.S., Mexico, Mexico Canada, Canada, and Costa Rica. Costa Rica. Got it. So... League A has their, their groups. I believe it's one, two, two groups. The, the two groups in League A, there's like six teams in, in each group. They're going to play four matches over the next two FIFA windows. And the top two teams in each of those groups advance into the quarterfinals of Nations League to play the four teams that we've already mentioned. But now... Those quarterfinals are going to be in the November window of this year. And if you win that two-leg series, you go to the Copa America 2024, the one held here in, in the United States. So it wow. also serves as a qualifier for Copa America, not only into the Final Four of Nations League, which will be a window earlier, by the wow. way. It'll be in March of okay. 2024. Which we have the rights to. Correct. And then uh, not only that... If you lose the quarterfinal, by the way, you still have an opportunity to make Copa America playoff yep, via a playoff. So, oh, my yeah. goodness. Wow. So it's, but, so it's very interesting for these CONCACAF teams in, in, that they're going to be playing right now. They're essentially not only playing Nations League. This is, works as qualifier for Copa America 2024 wow. here in the United States. That's quite a shake-up yeah. for yeah. this tournament. A lot on the line, though. Yeah. Couldn't be happier here for that. The U.S. needs the U.S. <laughs> needs two games to qualify to Copa America, and if they don't make it out of those two games, they still have an opportunity to make it the Copa America. Love it. Um, all right. For more on this, let's bring in our very good friend Felipe Cardenas. Felipe, you've been doing some shopping, my friend. I like this. Fit. Is this is this a new shirt? This is a new shirt. It's a new shirt. I was saving it for when the old crew, the OG crew, is back. You guys are finally back together, so I rocked out the shirt. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm here for the compliments. It looks compliments. good. It does. Yes. It looks It looks really like you fresh. start every sentence with not for nothing, but <laughs> other than that, I do like it. I honestly do. Um. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, well, Felipe, as you, as you heard Nico kind of explain the new format of uh, this Nations League competition, we've got the U.S., Mexico, Canada, and Costa Rica already advancing to the quarterfinals, when you look at some of these matches and these uh, these teams, who do you think? Who are some of the teams that you think are likely to join them in the quarterfinals? Yeah. So first of all, shout out to, to Nico. I totally passed the buck on the explanation of the Concacaf <laughs> Nations League. So well done, Nico. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, that was tough. That's a tough one. This is one of the most complicated tournaments in the world, in my opinion. But I've, I've got my four that I think are going to join the the top four in Concacaf right now. I'm going to go with. Panama, Jamaica, Honduras, and my surprise, my dark horse is going to be the Dominican Republic. Ooh. Shout out to the Dominican guy on my flight last night that was on a speakerphone the whole time. But yeah, that's that's my that's my guy. That's my guy. 
Amazing. Okay, what what about I I know very little about the Dominican team. Do you can you kind of explain why you think they could potentially be a dark horse in this competition? Well, their youth teams are, are growing. You know, they, they they made they, they had a huge upset in the Concacaf round, getting into the, the Olympics. Uh, that was a huge, huge moment for Dominican football. Uh, and and I think just for getting being a dark horse team in Concacaf, especially in this in this round of Nations League, if you look at some of the teams, it's difficult to find out like a lot about these teams. Like I was going to pick Martinique because they've been in the Gold Cup, they've had some runs in Gold Cup, Haiti as well. If uh, you, you think about Haiti, there are, te- there are players from all around MLS that are on that team. But the Dominican Republic, to me, is just a team that I think is going to emerge out of this region. I'm not talking about World Cups yet. You know, not, we're not there yet with the Dominican Republic. But it is a country that I think is investing a little bit more in football. Um, and, and I like them. I like them in this format where it's just like get out of a couple games and qualify and get into the quarterfinals. I don't see them advancing to the Copa America, obviously, but I do like them in this round. I'm surprised you didn't say Guatemala. I thought that's that was going to be the surprise, considering they topped their group in the Gold Cup last summer and they only lost Jamaica 1-0 in the knockout rounds. But I want to get your take on this Mexican side. Now that uh, Lozano has been named head coach, this is his first squad with Hector Herrera included. What do you think uh, they're going to be looking like heading into these friendlies? They're going to be looking like the same Mexico team from the last World Cup and the last cycle. I mean, that's the bottom line. I was on a call with with Jaime Lozano last week and, you know, a new manager, young manager saying all the right things, saying that the Mexican national team is open to everybody. Uh, he, he's still thinking about calling Carlos Vela. He mentioned that he's going to have a call with Chicharito. And that, that really sent firestorms throughout. Mexican national team Twitter. It's like, and, and I agree. I think if you if you continue to try to go back to the past, you can't look forward to the future. And that's that's the thing with Mexico. They've they've waited far too long to to move past this generation of players. And you look at the the roster, and there are some very good players. Players like Edson Alvarez, Kevin Alvarez, Memo Choa, who you can argue, well, like he's he's 38, he's going to be 40 in the next World Cup if he if he if they advance. I'm sorry, if if he's still on that roster, uh, they're going to be co-hosting, so they're in. Uh, but he's still the best goalkeeper in Mexico, and so I think that the, the the hit here on this Mexico roster is that they didn't do what the U.S. did four years ago. When the U.S. went super young and started trying out these young players, they took a lot of hits as well. But I think now, four years later, you can see a team that's a lot more mature. With Mexico, I think that train has left the station. They're, they're at a point now where they need to build the strongest team possible for the next World Cup. And if you look at the roster, there are just no surprises. You know, Raul Jimenez is still on the team. Uh, you mentioned Hector Herrera. You know, he's playing well for the Houston Dynamo, and I think sometimes coaches do like to have that experienced player, that veteran player, especially in the midfield. And Jaime Lozano, young coach with a huge responsibility now coaching the national team, why not bring a player in that that, that has a lot of mileage and a lot of experience in, in Hector Herrera? But as, as one of my sources told me during the last World Cup, you know, before Argentina-Mexico, uh, that, that big group stage game, they're like, well, you know, Hector Herrera is going to face Rodrigo DePaul, who's, who his next move at the time might be to, to, to another planet. Hector Herrera is going to move to the Houston Dynamo. And that's that to him, to that source told me, told him like that's where the, the level of the midfield is right now in Mexico. So again, it's just a lot of responsibility on Lozano. And right now I think he's just going with what's safe. 
Felipe, I want to ask you about someone who didn't get called up, but we talk a lot about dual nationals here in the U.S., but uh, Julian Quinones, Colombian-born uh, Club America player, supposedly has made the switch or will be making the switch to the Mexican team. Does that show that maybe this uh, that Ed Tri is sort of uh, back on the up, that the, the sort of sour notes we saw from the last Nations League maybe has gone away? A little. I mean, you know, I, I got an email from the Mexican Football Federation yesterday, actually, saying that Julian Quinones, the, the the big signing for Club America, the Colombian, as you mentioned, Colombian-born winger, he's in camp with the Mexico team. He will not play in the next two friendlies against Uzbekistan and Oman, but he is at in Mexico City at their high-performance center with the national team training. He was photographed with the thumbs up and the Mexican gear, and so that tells you everything about his loyalties right now. So. You know, if anything, it, I think it's it's a good call for the Mexican national team. He was the best player in Liga Mekis over the last two years. He's a very dynamic player, something that Mexico needs, especially on the wings, and, and somebody that can play across that front line and, and just be dangerous and finish and create. That's something that they're missing. Uh, so it's a big move. I think the other side of that story, though, is he, he is a dual national, and, and that is always very controversial in Mexico. I'm sorry. It's not going to go away. It's, huh. it's, it's not a slight at Mexico. I think there are so many countries in world football that are very nationalistic when it comes down to choosing players and coaches and Mexico is no different and so there is a bit of controversy with Quinones you know if you go if you look at the pundits and, and some of the detractors saying why do we need to get a dual national are there not enough good players in Mexico to do this but Quinones has proven to be the, one of the best players in Mexico and he wants to play and represent Mexico so more power to him. I think we'll see how he fits in but, but Jaime Lozano made it a point to, to make sure that Quinones felt comfortable in the Mexican national team camp, and now he's there with him right now. Wow. Uh, Felipe, uh, always great to see you. Thank you so much. We appreciate you taking the time to join us this morning. Uh, keep up. You've, you're setting the bar very high with the, the fashion, so, you know, you're, I don't know more. how you're going to top this, but. Oh, I've got more. I've got more. I've nice. got more shirts. Fantastic. Just, just just, I, hope, I hope there's gabagool in the fridge, bro. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you soon, Felipe. Um, all right, guys, we're going to take a break. We're going to chat some Americans abroad. When we come back, lots of uh, goals being scored by Americans overseas. You love to see it.